I am thrilled to be here today. I have a simple prayer I pray before any time I get up and speak before anybody, especially with the sermon. I feel really important about the sermon. Um, it's a real simple prayer. Basically, it's this. God, your words, not mine. I hope and pray that God's message comes through for you today. Um, I picked a scripture verse. I was talking to talking about what what it was. What what are y'all preaching on? And he told me about conflict and in the church. And I know y'all are uh, aware of the different things going on in the United Methodist Church and different things that are happening. And we've we've had stru- structure changes and and organizational changes and all that stuff's kind of human things. And the church is a gift from God that's been in the hands of human beings for 2,000 years. And we can do some pretty good damage. Uh, And that's how we live. God would love for all of us to be in that big house together. But we've got to be able to live with each other and work with each other. And it reminded me of this story that Jesus talked about with how different people view things. And it's from Luke chapter 15. It's uh, the parable of the, of the lost son. You know it well. Uh, hear these words from scripture. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off to a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and the sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants over and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours squandered your property and with prostitutes has come home. You killed the fatted calf for him. My son, father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his, this brother of yours 
was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That's where Jesus left the story. We, uh, we've been dealing with all sorts of change, and, and I wanted to talk to you about this term, unconditional love. It's what we work with. When, when we talk about unconditional love of God, there is no clear illustration of that love than the story of Jesus Christ that told that we normally call the parable of the prodigal son. There was a father who had two sons. This younger son goes off and lives in, in wild living, and uh, he squanders everything away. He gets lost. He realizes that he's feeding animals he's not allowed to even associate with, let alone eat. Of course, I have a hard time figuring out if I could ever live without bacon. But uh, he does, you know. And, and he, intent, he comes to his senses and says, you know, I could at least live like a servant. I, I know my dad's going to be so mad with me. There's no way he could face me uh, and see me as his son anymore. But at least I could be maybe one of his servants in the house. Maybe he could treat me like that. So he goes and he comes to his senses and he goes back to see his father and while he's a long way off, his father sees him and does something radically strange. For that culture and for even today, he runs to meet him and he grabs him. He doesn't even let him finish his sentence. He says, quick, get the rings, get the robe, get the sandals. Let's have a party. Kill the fatted calf. We're, my son that was dead is alive again. And they have a party. And he has his son back. And there's a lot of rejoicing. Except the older brother, who meanwhile has been diligent and responsible about taking care of his father's affairs. And when he comes home, he, he finds this party going on for the younger brother. And he's incensed. And in fact, he refuses to even go inside the house. So the father has to come out to him. Again, God has to come out to him and beg him to come inside. And the old, older brother recites his list of grievances. You, you never even gave me a goat. The father justifies his actions. Son, you're always with me. All I have is yours. You still have all this inheritance. But your little brother, he was dead. And now he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's been found. And, and that's where Jesus leaves the story. Just leaves it. I mean, I'm hanging. Did he go in? Did he storm off? I don't know. So when I, I, I like contemporary worship. I, I sit there... I, I've been doing traditional worship, but I, I, at our last church, we had a contemporary service and traditional services. We love being at both of them. Um, we often go interactive. So I'm going to have you go interactive here. I want to see a show of hands. How many of you think the brother saw the wisdom of his father and went inside? How many of you? Come on. Okay, good. Now, how many of you think that he stormed off and, and missed the party? Yeah. We're cynics. But it's interesting, isn't it? Some of you are hopeful. Some lost children are like the younger brother. 
They, they rebel against their upbringing and they turn against their parents and all that they taught them and they make a mess of their lives. You know, we can easily hit the high, the high ones, substance abuse or, or, or immorality or homelessness or whatever when you go off early. It's real easy to fall off the path towards adulthood, isn't it? There are a lot of missteps you can make. You can lose all your money. You can lose all your funding. You can mess up in school. Sometimes it's just one wrong turn. And then all of a sudden you've fallen off the path and you end up in a ditch. It's really hard. Sometimes they never come home. But sometimes those kids, sometimes they come home, they come to their senses, they repent of their sins, and they make a new start of their life. And God welcomes them home. Now, other lost children are like the older brother. They're upright, responsible, and hardworking examples of all that makes parents proud of them. Except that they're also hard-hearted and, and judgmental and resentful and unacquainted with, with the concept of grace. And wrapped up in, in all their fear and anger, they're just as lost as the child in the gutter And they're waiting hard-heartedly for their time. But there's the father of both these lost children. And I think this story is probably more properly called the parable of the waiting father. Because that's what it is. He's waiting for his lost children. I think the story is, is all about how the father called and reaches out to both boys both of whom are lost, but just in different ways. Uh, the, the younger boy, he offers forgiveness and grace and welcome. The older, he offers encouragement and a challenge. To both sons, the father's love is unconditional. He loves them right where they are, right how they are, with just what they need in that moment. In the story, the father is God. Whether you, we're lost in a far-off country of sin or whether we're lost at home being a, the perfect child, God loves us, each and every one of us, unconditionally. Right where we are. Right as we are. Right how we are. That love is unconditional. And he gives us what we need. It's extravagant generosity. That's how you can describe unconditional love. Extravagant generosity. Extravagantly gracious. The father goes out of his way to provide for the younger son. Shoes, rings, clothes, uh, 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 killing the fatted calf. He, he spares no expense to welcome his son home. He runs out to meet him. God's grace is so amazing and so abundant and so extravagant for us. No matter how, how you have, far you have strayed, how deep you have gone away, how ugly your wounds may be, God's love is more than sufficient to cover the damage. And one of my first opportunities to really be in ministry outside the church, I was... I was 18, uh, I was about 20 years old. And I went with the men of the church to the central unit at Sugarland, where the prison was. Central unit isn't active anymore, but it's out there right just south of the airport. You can probably see it. it was a farm. 
prison farm. And on Wednesday night, the men at my church would go out there and hold a Bible study. And the more men they could bring, the more the, more the inmates could come out. It was only by permission. It was only at the direction of the chaplain. So here I am, this young guy with all these older men, and we go out into the garden area, and they count us off, and they put us each at a table. And that's how many guys can come out that night to have Bible study with us. And I'm the youngest one there. I'm the smallest one there, kind of. I mean, I'm six foot, but I was sitting there at that table not knowing what to expect, out in the open air with chain-link fence all around us, and the only hole was in the dome up at the top. And the biggest, hugest guy I have ever seen, this mountain of a person that was three times my size, shaved head, tattoos here and here and down here and over there. And he comes up dressed all in white, completely bald, sits down next to me. He says, thank you for coming tonight. It's good to get out. We're in their common area. We're sitting there, and I find out that this guy has, is in for armed robbery. But before he did armed robbery, he had been in before for contract killing, and he had killed two people. And I'm sitting there praying that he just doesn't kill me. He said he should have been at the supermax down the way, but if it weren't for God and God's graciousness, his life wouldn't have been pulled out to where he had been. And he had been pulled out from that area, and now he was placed in this area, and he was seeing God. And God looked at his nasty, ugly wounds and was healing him. I don't care how bad your sins are, how bad your life may be, what the wounds are. God loves you and is extravagantly gracious. The other thing is God is eternally patient. Father never quit watching for his sons to come home. He never gave up, and, and God will never give up on you, no matter how long you've been away or how, how, how long your resentment has been building up. God has not lost hope on you. Nothing you can do to make, make him stop loving you. There is nothing you can do. Paul said these words, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor Rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is unconditional. You know what? It's also ultimately sacrificial. God loves you so much, he, he will ultimately sacrifice his son Jesus to get you back. Whatever it takes, God is all in. God is all in. First John tells us these words. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. In Jesus, we see the best and above all, the unconditional love of God. And this is the unconditional love God has for you. No matter how, how you are lost, and, and we are all lost in some way, your father wants you back. God wants you home. There's, there's a little of the prodigal son in each of us, isn't there? 
And there's a lot of the older brother in most of us. But the good news is that there's a father waiting for us. Waiting for us to come home. And whether you are outwardly whole yet inwardly broken, the father wants you to come home. He can't just come and get you. He can run to you, but he can't drag you in. You see, that won't work. You can't be forced. You have to want it. You have to want it. But for any of us who want it today, God our Father is waiting. Come home for real. Come home for good. What does that kind of unconditional love look like? You know, Jeanette Cliff George uh, was preaching a sermon one time, and I heard her talk about it. She was in Tucson, Arizona, and she was flying to Phoenix. In fact, most of the air, the flights out of Tucson, Arizona, just go to Phoenix. That's all they do. And there are these prop jet planes, and she was there. She got into her seat in this narrow cabin. There were about 20 passengers. And sitting next to her was a lady dressed all in white, holding in her arms her child, this baby, who was dressed in all in white. Looked like a Hallmark picture said. And that baby was just sitting there going, Dada? Dada? And to keep the child quiet and happy, she would feed him, feed the, the baby girl sips of orange juice and pieces of fruit. Well, the plane took off, and if you've been on a plane, when the cabin pressurizes and you get up to that altitude, the pressurization hits, and the baby didn't like it, and she started crying, and so there's a little more orange juice and a little more fruit. Then as there is in, from Tucson to Phoenix, there was a lot of turbulence the whole flight. The baby didn't like that at all. So in order to keep her calm and quiet, there was a little more orange juice, a little more fruit. More bumps in the road, a little more orange juice, a little more fruit. So much that Jeanette said she kind of wanted some of that fruit and orange juice because she wasn't feeling so good either. Well, all that fruit and orange juice went down and got turned around and all that turbulence and they're all dressed in white but if it's going down it came back up and it came back up all over her and her baby and the passenger in front of her and Jeanette Cliff George and the passengers behind her everybody within a four seat radius of her got hit in fact Jeanette said it was so bad that she was wearing a business suit that was brand new she didn't know whether she should just rip off the sleeves or burn the entire suit but she is there, and as soon as they land, passengers are trying to have their clothes not touch them as they kind of gingerly walk out. And Jeanette said she needed to get out as well, and so she was trying to get out. She gets down the gangplane, and as she's walking out, she sees the other side of the Hallmark picture. There's Dad with a bouquet of flowers, dressed all in white, thinking this would have been a beautiful Hallmark moment. And she didn't know if she could even stomach the scene of what was about to happen but she had to stay and watch and as she turned around and looked back mom is holding baby like this walking down the aisle meets dad and as he has the flowers and he's about to give her to him she hurls the baby into his hands and she makes a beeline to the bathroom now here's the scene dad completely in white Baby, a mess. The baby recognizes dad. Dada! Dada! And the dad, who hadn't seen his child, 
hugging that baby. Getting all that all over him. It didn't matter. His baby was in his arms. That's unconditional love. And that's what God does for us. No matter how dirty or ugly or wounded we are, no matter what kind of sin we've had in our lives, God loves us so much, he runs to meet us, grab a hold of us, and hold on to us. That's the kind of father that we have. No matter how you show up, he's going to take you in and love you. There is no way he's going to reject his own child. The prophet Isaiah said this, Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child in her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. You may be soiled with all the sins of this worldly life. Maybe you've lived a life of the prodigal son or daughter, and, and there are things you've done that you just can't seem to forget or forgive. But the grace of God, you didn't die in a faraway country of simple, sinfulness. And now you're home, sitting there in church, waiting. You have an opportunity to make things right again. You're going to come to God and say, can I just be a servant in your house? God's going to come to you with open arms to hear your confession and welcome you home. Or, or maybe the stains that you wear today are all your own. Like the older brother, you, you tried to be good and responsible and upright, and, and, but the weight of carrying the burden all by yourself is about to break you in half. So now that bile of bitterness and resentment and all that fear and all that effort may somehow be wasted in making you sick inside and you're just about to lose it. There's grace for you too. Fathers love both his sons and all his children. He loves all of us equally. Infinitely. Unconditionally. His arms are open wide. His home is open. Daddy's waiting for you. Listen. As the party's gearing up, it's about to start. He's speaking to you softly and tenderly. Come home. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we get hit with so much in this world. We, we, get, we struggle so much with what's going on. And Lord, we look in our lives and we see the mistakes we made and we feel we see where we fall. Some of us are in a ditch and life's just thrown us curveball after curveball and beaten us and hit us. Some of us by our own making, some of it's just life, but Lord, we get involved in all what's happening. Lord, some of us have tried to be good. We've done all the right things. We we work hard and we look at other people who just seem to, to get get it and, and we wonder what it is for us especially when they've lived their lives and they've been gotten away with so much. The hardness of our hearts turns us away from you and we get angry, Lord. 
It's just not fair. God, helping us because something's holding us back, weighing us down, breaking us inside. That bitterness is hard to take. Free us, God. Free us, Lord. Love us, God. God's people said,